Hello and welcome to the Just Cause podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Henry, and throughout this brand new podcast series, I will be speaking to some amazing people doing incredible work to support just causes across Northern Ireland. I'll be speaking with Northern Ireland charities to learn more about the very important work that they do, how much money they need to raise annually to keep the charities going, and how they have been affected by the recent global pandemic. So wherever you get your podcast from, remember to keep an eye out for our new episodes over the next six weeks and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I am joined by Phil Alexander, who is the CEO of Cancer Fund for Children. Hi, Phil. Hi there. How are you keeping? I'm good. Thanks for coming today. Um, So it's great to have Phil here and we're going to have a chat about all of his work and his um, organisation's work. But just before we begin, I'm going to give our listeners a little background on the charity. So the sad reality is that every week in Northern Ireland, another three children and young people aged up to 24 years old will be diagnosed with cancer. As Northern Ireland's leading children's cancer charity, Cancer Fund for Children understands the devastating impact a cancer diagnosis and its treatment has on the whole family, and that beyond the essential medical care, there is a family life that needs to be rebuilt. From the point of diagnosis, the team of cancer support specialists are there to help guide and support families at home, in their community and at the therapeutic short break and residential centre in Newcastle, County Down. Their support is focused not just on the young person, but on the family as a whole. Cancer Fund for Children is also there to help bereaved families cope with the emotional pain of losing a child to cancer and also to support children and young people whose parent has been diagnosed with cancer through the Young Shoulders programme. So, Phil, thank you again for joining us. Um, I'm sure everybody's familiar or knows somebody who's been affected by cancer, and if they haven't, they probably will in their lifetime. But you really have real hands-on experience. So maybe let's just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your role within Cancer Fund for Children. Yeah, so I guess... My role in Cancer Fund for Children and outside of Cancer Fund for Children, I'm a dad um, to three beautiful little children um, who have definitely kept us on our toes during lockdown and working from home (laughs) and navigating that and all the challenges. Um, I I love to be outside, be outdoors and enjoy surfing, uh, bicycles, running and I've just recently joined a CrossFit class so wow um although <laughs> however <laughs> it's it's maybe on a bit of a download at the minute uh, yeah, yeah but uh, I guess uh Cancer Fund for Children my role now uh, I took over as chief executive um in January 2019 but I've been with the organization for just over 10 years wow. um I started out uh, as one of the youth and community workers so okay. I had the privilege of working directly with children and young people across Northern Ireland and providing support to them. Uh, And and what did that look like? I guess it looked um, very much ensuring that young people uh, have a a voice within their cancer experience where they can talk to someone, um, they can get support, that they can um, meet other children and young people. So my job as a youth community worker mm. was to help connect them and engage them uh, in some of our, our services and activities, which we'll, we'll talk a wee bit more about Brilliant. in a moment. Uh, and then I've worked through the organisation uh, management roles. I took on director services uh, and then most recently the chief executive. 
Wow. So you've had really kind of an all-encompassing experience with the organisation, which probably places you in a good position to um, take on um, the role as CEO. So as CEO, I suppose, and in these challenging times, I mean, apart from the co- the pandemic at the moment that we're experiencing, what's what's your vision for the charity? Or, you know, do you see any changes um, going forward uh, under your direction? Yeah, listen, I think, you know, over the past 10 years, we've really developed our, our services uh, and established ourselves uh, as the leading organization that supports children and young people. And we, we don't just support children who are diagnosed themselves. Uh, as you said earlier, we have a very much a, a family model to our work. So we're supporting siblings, brothers, sisters, mm-hmm. moms, dads, and other carers within that, and also children whose parents have cancer. Um, and sad, the sad reality is that some of these kids don't do well um, and some parents obviously they, they pass away and our support continues so ensuring that there's a continuity uh, mm-hmm. provided right through that cancer experience is, has been essential for us. Um, I think it, you know we're always asking the question and consulting with children specifically because they're, they're the key people in all this. What can we do better? What is it you need? Uh, and then how do we develop the right programs to, to meet that need? And I guess uh, at the right time as well. So is that from you know the, very much the point of diagnosis? Is it uh, after a number of months when you've got lots of questions? Uh, is it further down the line? Or is it after you've finished your treatment? Uh, and what we're trying to do is ensure that young people have, have a say, have control, um, yes, we're a charity, but um, we're a charity that exists to serve the needs of, of, of these children and young mm-hmm. people. So everything we do has to be, um, I guess, uh, dictated by, by, by those. By the children. You're a fact. Yeah, I just think that's fantastic. So it's really a child-led, very much child-centric approach that you take. And of course, that must feed into the experience for, for those children as well, you know. Um, so just the charity has been established for quite some time. I think it was founded in 1973. Um, and really, it started off deli- delivering practical support. So you've really, really developed as an organisation um, that's moved on from just delivering, I suppose, that kind of level of um, financial support and practical support to children and their families. So just to talk about um, uh, Daisy Lodge, um, which is now a major part of your organisation. And I had a little, you can go online and have a tour. It looks fantastic, so inviting and just so tranquil. Um, So maybe just talk to us about that service that you provide through Daisy Lodge and how families can avail of those services um, as as well as the children. Yeah, I, I guess Daisy Lodge is a really special place and it exists because of the generosity of the public. Um, when we were building Daisy Lodge, uh, previously we had uh, a little cottage on the site and we maybe had one or two families able to stay there. Uh, and the demand just got too big, um, mm. unfortunately. And as our services grew, we needed to respond to that. Uh, and going back to asking, we asked families what, what a place might look like for them to go and stay Fantastic. in. Um, so the, the building itself is designed uh, with, with children in mind. So there's children's playrooms, there's teenager rooms, there's pool rooms, mm-hmm. uh, there's a gym, and there's also a spa area for, for families. Uh, and, and our focus uh, in Daisy Lodge is how we connect mm-hmm. families with other families with that lived experience. Because yes, we, we can provide um, support, emotional support, counseling support, 
Uh, but it's really when a family meets another family and they share that um, normal experience of mm-hmm. what they've gone through is what really empowers them. And particularly teenagers um, who often feel that they're on their own. Yeah. Uh, they maybe don't meet any other teenagers who are uh, going through cancer, mm-hmm. um, who have been impacted. And it gives them a real opportunity to, to find that normalcy in a time in their lives where uh, they maybe don't feel normal. Mm-hmm. Such an important facility. And I suppose, yeah, it takes away that kind of feeling of real isolation that you can imagine. And without that, I mean, obviously, there's always been the medical support there. And as you said, kind of people can give you the tools to help um, children and teenagers and young adults get through everything. But this really provides a lot more than that. And I think it's great that it's, again, just like you speak to the children about developing the experience Um this is great as well, and including the families there too and giving them that kind of respite that they need. What kind of, so you, you mentioned there there was a spa as well. Would that be, would there be therapies there? How do people actually um, use the facilities? Yeah, so we've got our own uh, lead complementary therapist, uh, Patsy, who many of the families know. Um, so Patsy leads a team uh, of mainly volunteers. We would have about 30 volunteers who are all qualified complementary therapists. Uh, qualified in adaptive techniques where they can uh, provide aromatherapy, reflexology, Indian head massage to to those families. Uh, so y- you can imagine if if you have a child with cancer, you, you maybe rarely get out to avail of any opportunities like that. You're feeling stressed, you're feeling anxious. So when you walk into Daisy Lodge, um, the team greet you. You're hit with this beautiful uh, view of the Moor Mountains. Mm. Uh, the environment is very restorative and the team really, I guess, pick you up and say, what can we do? What do you need from this break? And again, y- ensuring that the families have control of that because, again, cancer takes control away. So they design their break, their time away. Often complementary therapies are a big part of that. Um, art activities are a big part of that. Sometimes outdoor um, bikes, all different kind of things, uh, but the focus is very much of bringing that family together to create memories mm. uh, and and to rebuild some of those relationships uh, between between the family. Um, and our referrals come. We we, we work very closely um, with the clinicians and the medical mm-hmm. teams. And I, I always say, you know, we we complement that essential medical care. Uh, but we provide that emotional, psychosocial support uh, and we do it uh, regionally across uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, it's done through individual support, through group work and through short breaks. Wow, gosh, such, um, I imagine the demand is huge, as you said, and um, it's really grown. Um, it just sounds absolutely fantastic. But really, when it comes to funding, and we'll get a, talk about that in a more general sense towards the end, but just about the centre itself, I mean... You know, is there any way that you can kind of increase capacity or are there any plans to do that um, going forward? Yeah, we've got in Daisy Lodge, we accommodate maybe six, seven families at any one time. Mm -hmm. Now, COVID has impacted that. Uh, We have reduced the numbers of families we are taking in. So uh, usually um, four families at the moment. Um, And that's just to to ensure we can... uh, follow the protocols that we've put in place uh, around social distancing um, but our short breaks midweek and weekend so we have uh, families coming in on a Tuesday at the moment and leaving on a Friday and then new families coming in on a Friday and leaving then on a Monday 
Um, and and that's pretty much booked out from now through to Christmas. Um, uh, we do leave slots for um, priority families, so we can, if there's changes in someone's uh, situation, then we can fit them in. Uh, but uh, I guess to to go a wee bit further and a bit further into the future, um, we also have supported families from across Ireland who've come up and used Daisy Lodge. Uh, and our vision and mission as an organisation is to provide that care and support across Ireland. Um, so our plans are to open up another centre in County Mayo uh, and uh, make sure that then we can support every child across Ireland. Oh, fantastic. It really is. Um, so just then moving on from Daisy Lodge, um, which is just really astounding, the services that are offered there. Just um, outside of that then for families and children, do you want to talk a little bit about um, other kind of supports that you provide then to children and their families? Yeah, um, I think our, our focus again is is ensuring we can empower children. Um Obviously, when cancer uh, comes into a family's life, uh, it's very much devastated. People don't know how to react, um, un- unsure of how, how they cope. Uh, you know, everything changes. Uh, so what can we do as an organisation, as a charity, as a staff team, as volunteers, uh, to ensure that young people can thrive regardless? Um, and what we mean by that is ensuring that they have the confidence um, through their cancer diagnosis and beyond, uh, ensuring that um, they're not isolated, that they're not on their own uh, to face cancer, uh, and ensuring we can then connect them with the right people. So whether it's us, other young people, mm-hmm. um, other services of other charities that are out there that can help them uh, locally. And how we do that then we have a team who work on the ward, uh, really from the point of diagnosis and, and engage with children, young people. Uh, and they're there to really alleviate any of those concerns, but work through some of the fears and anxieties that, that children maybe have. Uh, we have a team who work out in the community then. So when we receive a referral in, they'll go out, meet with the family, meet with the young person and put a, put together a support plan. Um, and that's, again, agreed by the young person mm-hmm. or the child. Uh, and that'll be reviewed throughout. So it's as and when they need that support. Uh, and uh, and outside of the, sh- the short breaks and the individual support, um, I think one of the elements I feel is, is, is the most important is our group work. So where we bring groups of children together with a common experience. So it could be a group of siblings, it could be a group of teenagers who are diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come together for a program of support. We have a log cabin in Newcastle, uh, which is a 20 birth cabin. And uh, these children come away from their families for a weekend and uh, they get to enjoy meeting other children, young people who've gone through those experiences and work that through and talk that through and, and be very open. Um, and it's facilitated by our team of cancer support specialists. And that's where the the really special work happens and takes place. And uh, having done some of that myself, you always I always find myself when you drive home in the minibus mm-hmm. at the end of a, a, a Sunday yeah. uh, afternoon, you kind of pinch yourself and say, did that really happen? Wow. Um, yeah. Really, really special and privileged uh, work. 
God, it's so great just to get that insight from you. And you obviously, you didn't just step into the role of CEO. You understand from the ground up the special experience that children and the groups um, receive. And so, again, very hands on, providing that professional level of support. But as you said, it's that shared experience that really must be the invaluable piece that people take away with them. So um, if anyone's listening today, just I know you mentioned referrals there, but how would um, a family or anybody listening about the services that are on offer be able to avail of that? How do they get in contact or is it only through referral? Yeah, listen, if you feel any of this uh, is is triggering anything, um, check out our website first and foremost, see what we do, uh, give us a call um, directly and we would be more than happy to talk talk through how we can support if we can um, or speak to your GP, uh, your nurse practitioner, um, your doctor, whoever that is um, and definitely they can, they can make a, a direct referral into us but we're more than happy to, to take calls and, and have that conversation directly. Brilliant. You must have a really special team there as well that work with you. And just hearing you talk about, you know, your experience going through the organisation. But again, it must be tough as well. I'd imagine for everybody there. I mean, you've obviously had people come in and as you said, you know, some people, you know, have a, a, a good experience. And um, but sadly for others, you know, it might they mightn't be there for very long. And I'm just wondering how you or if there's anything in specific specifically you'd like to talk about in terms of, you know, the journeys that you've experienced with people who've gone through your services, because I'd imagine it can be hard hitting at times for you and members of your staff. Yeah, I, I, everyone asks that question. Yeah. How, do, how do you do a job like that? Uh, mainly uh, for our team, there's probably one word that's used overused maybe and, and it's the word privilege mm-hmm. uh, it's a privilege to, to 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 work alongside these families to support these families to get to know them because you're entering into their lives mm-hmm. and uh, it's a very personal nature and and you're ent- entering into families lives and there's there's, there's trauma there's vulnerability um, and and there's pain and hurt there's there's no doubt and I think the the important thing for us as an organisation is how we care and support our staff, our volunteers, and that's one of our major priorities. So uh, we make sure that our, our team receive that support. Um, we also make sure um, our team, you know, know where their boundaries are. Um, yeah. And um, and at the end of all this, uh, you know, we, we, we support these families and, and, and we get really close to them and, and we show them ent- empathy and, and, and understanding and, and help them maybe discover the, the resources that they need. I guess our starting point is we believe that every person has those resources. Um, so it's not about us giving anything mm-hmm. to someone, but it's helping us and enabling uh, okay. people to discover those themselves. Uh, so we do take the care of our staff really important, you know, with training, um, ongoing supervision, support. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, you know, staff have access to offline supervision if they need to, if they need to talk something through uh, beyond that managerial support. Um, and I guess we always make sure that the, that the families are at the centre of that. Sure. Um, and there's many families that I've I've had the privilege of meeting um we're in Uri today and I think of a, a young lad that I supported maybe 10 years ago and um, he, I guess he stays with me. Um, he was a keen uh, cyclist um, 
triathlete, musician, and incredible young man, and who sadly, you know, lost his battle with cancer. Um, but but there's no doubt for our team, uh, they are invested in these mm -hmm. children, young people, and these families, uh, and it does impact them because um, they're humans. Of and, course, yeah. Uh, they they really care, and they're in it because they do. They're um, in it because they care, and yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Wow, what a team behind you. You know, it just sounds fantastic. Um, and just, I suppose, <laughs> kind of try to avoid the, the um, talking about COVID and the pandemic, but there's no avoiding it when it comes to charities. I suppose every organisation, whether it's business um, or um, the voluntary or charity sector, are impacted in some respect. Um, I'm wondering, you know, in terms of events and fundraising and plans that you may have had going forward, how you've managed to, I suppose, kind of counteract the effects of COVID and what you're continuing to do in terms of raising those vital funds for your organisation? Yeah, currently as it stands, uh, Cancer Fund for Children exists because of the generosity of the public um, and has done for the many years that it has existed. So we rely on those key fundraising events, marathons, people doing coffee mornings, uh, doing crazy things, jumping out of aeroplanes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, all that stopped. Yeah. Uh, and it stopped six months ago. Uh, we've tried to adapt as best as possible. We found that uh, there's been incredible generosity out there and we thank uh, the public uh, mm -hmm. and our supporters and uh, local businesses for sticking by us uh, and reaching out. Uh, I was on a call with a, a, a business today and they just said, listen, um, let's be innovative. Let's think new ways in which we can support you, uh, and and that's that's help out. But uh, the reality across uh, the sector for charities, and it's not just cancer fund for children. Um, those who do rely on fundraised money, uh, it is going to be a difficult uh, few years ahead of us, and we know it's not just going to spring back. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to innovate. We're trying to be different. Uh, we're trying to stand out. Uh, we, we have. Uh, put a lot of uh, time and thinking into you know what what we're about, what what our message is, mm -hmm. um, and and beyond most of that, uh, I guess the impact of of COVID uh, and running a charity has been on the impact of COVID in these families. Mm -hmm. So we've been um, we've been trying to keep keep the service going as much as possible. Uh, unfortunately, we closed Dizzy Lodge uh, for, a, for a period of time, opened again uh, end of June, uh, opened for July and August, uh, are now booked through uh, October, November, December, midweek and, and, and uh, weekend short breaks. Uh, we've got, had a team back supporting on the ward. Uh, our, our team are out in the community as well. But you know, the harsh reality is uh, many of these families are, are feeling more vulnerable. Absolutely. Um, cancer services have been impacted. Uh, people's treatment has maybe stopped. Uh, so there's a lot of anxiety, uncertainty, fear out there. And for us, trying to still prioritize uh, the needs, the emotional needs of these families uh, mm -hmm. through that. Uh, so we recognize it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. Um, we, we, we've been asking uh, local government for support um, and ensuring that, uh, that, that the services are recognised across yeah. Northern Ireland for the value that they, they bring. 
and mm-hmm. the, the positive outcomes that they have for, mm-hmm. for many of these children. Because it's it's so essential, and I mean, they talk about mental health, and the I mean, you're frontline providers for crucial support around that, for particular for these young people. Um, we hear a lot of talk about the funding for businesses um, who have suffered as a result of COVID. Is there anything in particular that has stood out in terms of supporting the sector from the government's perspective as a re- result of the pandemic? Yeah, listen, I think the executive has been quite good um, in terms of cancer fund for children. Uh, we were really grateful for the support provided mm-hmm. to us um, alongside the local hospices as well. Um, you know, I think it's been a really difficult job to mm-hmm. ensure that uh, the whole uh, across the business community um, can can have the resilience and support and financial support to keep going. Uh, I think the challenge for charities are they, they don't run a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are relying on, on support. Um, and for us, what we're trying to say is uh, these, these are essential yeah. services. Um, and uh, the public have been supporting these services for um, many, many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we now need the help uh, yeah. of local government. So um, it's still a challenge, but nonetheless, you need people to contribute and to continue to do so. And as you said, more, you know, if you come up with innovative ways to do that, I mean, I'm sure you're happy for people to get in touch um, as much as possible. And I think people around here are quite creative when it comes. I'm always, always impressed about the efforts that people go to to raise money in these parts and I'm sure across Ireland. But now it's there's never been more of a need for it, for people to really get behind charities. And we saw in lockdown, the first lockdown, you did see people, um, you know, whether it was through just running in their living room or doing some kind of sports to, to raise money online with their family members and every penny counts, I suppose, and getting the message out there that this has to continue for these organisations, especially particularly ones like yours who provide such essential support to keep running. You need that funding to continue. So it'll be interesting to hear what people come up with um, in order to continue to support. Um, just as well, uh, you're, impo- you're approaching an um, important milestone with your 50th anniversary coming up. Have you thought of any ways to market with the organisation? Or Yeah, it's, it's still a couple of years off. So yeah. uh, we'll have the team think. Uh, we'll maybe reach out to families who've used their service. Uh, over those years and there's many many people and uh, we'll definitely have a celebration because uh, Cancer Fund for Children you know it doesn't belong to anybody yeah. it's it's the community uh, and and those who've been impacted and uh, we have again had the opportunity to journey with many many remarkable yeah. people uh, many people that have been so generous in that so we'll definitely have a celebration um, and we'll make the most of it. Um, but we'll also make sure that, you know, w- we're communicating um, and, and lobbying and ensuring that, that children and young people and their needs uh, are at the centre of anything that we do. Um, and that, w- you know, you asked earlier on about y- as you move forward as an organisation, uh, we know sometimes this group of young people um, they maybe don't have the voice that they they should have. They're a very vulnerable group, mm-hmm. um, and it's sometimes a small group in terms of children diagnosed. A larger group of, of children whose parents have cancer. Uh, but we want to make sure that uh, we can advocate on their behalf. Mm-hmm. We can speak out, um, and we can improve uh, mm-hmm. services across Northern Ireland um, to ensure that you, you know that Northern Ireland becomes. 
um, world class mm-hmm. in, in how we support this vulnerable group. And your message is coming from them. And I suppose there's so many new ways and means to kind of share stories. And it must provide them, children with great comfort, to know that they're not alone. I think that for me, talking to you today really stands out as a massive support for anybody battling cancer, whether they have it themselves or somebody, their parent or somebody within their family has it, just to have that shared resource and platform to really engage with others. It must be so invaluable. Yeah, and we talked a wee bit earlier on before we came on um, about a young young person, yes. Adele. Um, and Adele in many ways did that. Um, so Adele uh, did the Rickshaw Challenge with Children in Need last November uh, on The One Show with BBC um, and cycled the, the, the bike around Amazing. England. Um, sadly, uh, Adele passed away um, just a few weeks ago. But last night, uh, the one she did a tribute, Matt Baker did a tribute to her. And uh, she said, Adele said in one of um, uh, the pieces that she did last year, you know, why she was doing this. She was doing it for herself, um, you know, to help her own confidence. But she was doing it to represent the many other young people who have got cancer. Um, And her mum and dad said uh, in the video last night that it was it was probably the one of the best moments of her life so if young people like Adele um, who uh, have made an incredible impact and carry a huge legacy uh, they're the young people obviously we we want to represent and ensure that yeah. Uh, their voice um, stays at the heart of everything that we do as, a, as an organisation. Absolutely. Well, Adele sounds like an amazing, inspirational young woman. And I suppose there have been so many like Adele that's gone through your services. But that's it's just so incredible. And it's great that the one show marked um, her extraordinary journey as well. Um, so, gosh, it's just there's so much to talk about. But I suppose the purpose of these podcasts it's to increase um awareness and raise awareness for your organization but to also raise these much needed funds and there's never been more of a need to really press people to you know get out there and remember to contribute as much as they can so any of our listeners who want to contribute or make a donation should log on to the www.granitepodcaststudio.com where you'll be able to donate to cancer fund for children um and Phil, as well, you might want to let people know how they're able to contribute um, or fundraise or get involved in showing support for your organisation. Yeah, listen, if you want to do anything crazy, um, <laughs> crazy or, orga- or, or organise something <laughs> fantastic, we, we'd greatly appreciate that. And again, it's, it's, it's being organised to support these, these children and young people uh, across Northern Ireland. And I think what's key about the service that we provide here is that it, it doesn't matter where you live or where you come from. Uh, we, we're, we're in every community um, and, and that's key. Uh, we're also um, at that point of contact. Uh, so again, if you, you live in Belcoo or you, you live in Ballymena, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're prepared to, to come out to meet with, with those children and young people and support them where they're at. Uh, so anything that you can do... Um, uh, I know there's some restrictions at the moment, uh, but hopefully when we get back to a wee bit of normal, um, you can come aboard uh, with, with Cancer Fund for Children and be part of this team and, and making a difference uh, to these young people's lives. Fantastic. 
Um, well, look, Phil, thank you so much for giving up your time and joining us today. That was just amazing to find out about um, the fantastic work for your organisation. And um, so next week, we'll be talking to Patricia O'Neill from Road Safe NI. And in the meantime, thanks, Phil, for coming in. Thanks so much. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Exchange. Do you need an office or a meeting room space? Granite Exchange is the ultimate serviced office and meeting room facility. Located in the heart of Newry City, it is perfectly placed between Belfast and Dublin. Each office suite is fully furnished and comes with an all-inclusive monthly fee with no long-term contract. All you have to do is show up and switch on. The rest is taken care of. For more information, call 028 3044 2500 or visit www.granite-exchange.com.